0: All right, everyone, welcome to another Prog Report podcast, our final podcast of 2019. This is our best of the year episode. Uh, we did one last year with such a success and everybody liked it. So we thought we would do the same thing again. And joining me back on the episode is, of course, Jeff Bailey.
1: Of course, Jeff Bailey. Hi, everybody.
0: We should change your name to, of course, Jeff Bailey. Of course, Bailey Jeff at Bailey,
1: point.
0: yeah. Uh, and uh, also back is Victor Geel. Hi, everyone. And uh, Daniel Levy. Hey, everybody. And Kyle Fagala. Howdy. All right. And uh, I, I never say my name, Roy Avon, for anybody that cared. Oh, uh, I've always uh, Anyway,
2: Nice always
0: to meet you, man. This <laughs> uh, and uh, well, you know, it's been just uh, a ridiculous year uh, with, uh, what did we count? We reviewed Victor or something over 50 albums this year on the website. Correct. Uh, And by the time we end uh, this podcast, we'll have done 38 podcasts. It's been a really busy year on the website. Uh, And again, thank you to everybody that downloads uh, the podcast and listens. We keep growing with uh, our audience and audience to all the reviews and other posts. And we've been uh, really thrilled to keep doing this uh, for everybody. And it's a lot of fun. So as long as everybody will keep listening, we're happy to keep doing it. And if you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts or things, or top five topics or something, send us an email at contact at progreport.com. And, um, you know, maybe there's something that we hadn't thought about yet. That might be fun to do. Uh, So what we're going to do is we came up with a massive list of all the albums we reviewed and all the stuff that's come out. We whittled that down to the top 15. And then between the five of us, we are each taking on three albums that we're going to present really in no particular order. Um, we decided a while back we're not ranking these things anymore because ju- it's just impossible to really unanimously pick. Even between the five of us, we can't agree what's the best album of the year. So, uh, so this way we're just covering what we think is some of the best stuff. And if an album is not in the top fifteen that you think was great, you know, fair enough, and it probably was. And we just had to settle on a number at some point. Um, but anyway. Um, Who's going to get started? All right, let's go with uh, Daniel. Why don't you kick us off with your first pick for uh, you know top albums of, of twenty nineteen?
3: Okay, so I'll start off by saying that this year has been crazy. A lot of great stuff for anyone that enjoys progressive rock or metal music. So, and this album, like Roy approached me and say, "Hey man, check this out. I think you might enjoy this." And I think this is totally the underdog album of the year and this is brian beller's scenes from the flood so brian of course is a crazy good bass player he's from the aristocrats has played with joe stratriani and he has been working on this record for maybe six years or so and he finally got all the pieces together to build this like master project and when he was done making it he said okay who can i get that can play all this stuff so he invited a bunch of guest musicians to to play on the record and it just came out incredible it's mostly instrumental stuff they have a couple of songs one of them it's it's sung another one has like spoken words but it covers a bunch of different styles, has a lot of heavier metal stuff. There's like mellow, just piano. So it covers different styles inside of Prague. It's very interesting. I think everyone that enjoys Prague or instrumental music in general will be very interested in this one. Brian is a, a very cool guy, and he's been on his Facebook page just feeding like all the information about just about this album and like the curious facts and who played and what and the story behind the tracks. And another cool fact about this album is that it's also a, a concept album, but everything is told right. through music. So you, you don't get lyrics that tell the story, but you can feel it through the music and through the moods. And so it's very interesting the way he he does it. And he, he did a phenomenal job. I love this record. So, um, a couple of standout moments, in my opinion, I think you agree agree right. There's a song in particular called Word Class, the one you showed me first with yeah. uh, John Petrucci and Ray Hearn from Haken. Uh, it's just a phenomenal track and it's just one of many good ones. Uh, there's another one with Guthrie Govan. There's, there's one with Satriani as well. So, yeah, just a fantastic album.
0: Yeah, I agree. The first time I heard, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, so great. I thought it might be just, here's another instrumental album. It's going to have a couple of good moments and then you sort of will, might put it away or something. But it was really something I listened to for quite a while. And there's some, I mean, just that world-class song alone is just insane. And it, <laughs> I mean, and, and what's cool is, you know, a lot of these guys, they're so recognizable. I mean, you, you know, right away without know it reading the liner notes that's Petrucci playing guitar you know right away it's Guthrie Govan you know for sure it's right away Cetriani mm-hmm. and um, that makes the album really really cool so I, I agree I highly recommend it
3: yeah so that that's the beauty of being in the industry and knowing a bunch of people he he got a bunch of talented guys and also introduced uh like some obscure like new players that are like very very nice to know as well so overall Great stuff, love the album.
1: And all the spoken word bits and everything like that, I think it works works really well together.
0: Yeah, very cool. All right, so um, great, nice way to kick it off. Yeah. Uh, Victor, why don't you k- kick us off uh, with your first of your three?
4: Well, the um, the terrific thing about all the stuff we get to do the prog report, especially when you write reviews, I had the pleasure of writing the review for uh, Thank You Scientists uh, released this year called Terraformer. This album saw the return of Tom Monda and Salvatore Murano uh, along with new members on drums and trumpet and saxophone and didn't quite know what to expect if the sound was going to be different, uh, if they were going to go in a different direction. But when you listen to this thing, it's just absolute just thank you scientist genius where you have the balance of top-notch musicianship along with, just really catchy songs really reflecting their personality of just their, their sense of humor. Um, They just released a a video covering Eddie Murphy's uh, My Girl Wants to Party All the Time (laughs) from the 80s. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun video. But when you watch that video, it, it represents what they are, which is just absolutely killer chops. If you're somebody that likes jazz, you'll like this stuff. If you're somebody that likes fusion, you'll like this stuff. If you, you know, this is like, um, I heard them described at one point, like Dave Matthews on massive steroids. (laughs) They just have just killer chops. The, The album is filled with parts of instrumental, just tangents where you appreciate that these guys are just at another level. Tom Monda is, I put him in a category of somebody like Guthrie Govan or somebody like uh, Bumblefoot. Hmm. It, it's kind of like no bounds to the point where he is courageous enough at these other, as these other guys are in incorporating a fretless electric guitar sound. And he nailed it.
0: He was a, a student of Bumblefoot's,
4: I believe. Oh, okay. Well, I know that they have a, uh, a relationship back in uh, Progressive Nation, Bumblefoot played along with them in one of their songs mm. on the set on the ship. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's the influence is, is clearly there, but his chops are just really second to none. And um, a couple of the highlights on the album, uh, one of the songs that they released called Son of a Serpent, um, they have actually a, a live video of that and, and Monda's solo that, that
0: just, song is tremendous is, it really
4: is great the solo is absolutely killer I mean you listen to that solo and it just you just you just know he, it's, he's somebody that could be with mentioned with Steve Vai mentioned with Joe Satriani he just has that kind of chops but if you listen to all their albums he he has developed his own sound which is really cool um, and uh, another highlight of the album is a 10 minute song called Everyday Ghost this one's so good oh it's it's just it's just great it's this is one of those bands that they it's it's difficult to pin them down as to the kind of fans that should be into it because if you look at their audience their audience tends to be on the young side but Mm -hmm. you know anybody that watches them especially live they have such an energy uh when they go live that is unmatched and i'm always a stinker for uh instrumental songs and i think that they have one of the best instrumental songs of the year called chromology And that's something where you really get to enjoy uh, the chops of the bassists and uh, just all around fun to listen to. Grateful that they released that. I think that this album in comparison to their other ones, I think it shows a lot of their maturity. Not only are they able to incorporate just their musicianship and their chops, but they, they have continued to master the art of writing great melody lines for uh salvatore to to sing and his voice is the signature of this band similar to what uh james LeBrie has done with dream theater um when you hear this guy sing he fits right in and he's as good live as he is in the studio so i give i'm so grateful i got to talk about this because this is uh, one of my top albums of uh 2019
3: Uh, Thank You Scientist is one of those bands I think when you hear them even the album, this is a long album when I first heard it I was like man am I going to get through this like easily and and it's a breeze you know and when you go listen to it you just wonder how it would sound live, it was just like man I want to watch a concert like I want to watch this guy's live, so yeah it's it's a great record like songs like you you just mentioned Vic uh, Everyday Ghosts are one of my favorites Anchor as well, just a phenomenal record as well
0: what i like about this album i think songwriting wise they they hit more of a, a few more emotional highlights throughout some of the songs which it gets away just from the shredding i mean the shredding is insane on this album but there's actually some really good melodic moments and sort of epic endings and crescendos and things that i think they didn't do as much before so uh, i like that a lot it, it it is it's great stuff i just always wonder if their image of being kind of goofy and silly and, and and that if that is what's helping them with getting a younger audience or if it's hurting them among people that might not take them seriously enough and I, I don't know what the right answer is there or not I think maybe I it's think it mostly helps you know I don't know you know
3: I think it mostly helps but who knows but they're so good like, I, this I, is
5: I think the fact that they're connected to sort of uh, what came out of ska like you might say Coheed and Cambria is similar in that way I think it expands their audience. And I, I think their sense of humor, it reminds me of kind of Haken and how they approach things or even like a band like periphery on kind of the more, you know, metal side. I, I think that connects with a younger audience, people that have grown up with the internet their whole life. I think they, they kind of expect that from bands in a way. Um, so I list I listened to them just preparing for the top five guitar list that we did and ended up putting Tom in the list as one of the five best modern guitar players. Um, So we've already said enough about him, but I think it's amazing that he's already there at age, I think 34, which is crazy.
0: Yeah. He's tremendous. Really is. He's, he's awesome. And, And they're all good guys. They're really great to, to meet. If you get on the cruise, if you see them, if you see them after a show, they'll hang, they'll goof around. They're, they're crazy. Um, and right now they're on tour with bent knee, which is another great young band, really eclectic. They released a great album this year as well. Um, so, you know, lots of good stuff going on. Nice pick. Um, all right. Mr. Bailey.
1: Hello. I've been remarkably silent so far, but I've just been enjoying listening to you guys. Talk about- <laughs> right.
5: So it's cool. Okay. Talking about young bands, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I was going to say, I actually, I known. should say, not being young. Um, I mean, I, you guys had talked a lot about Thank You Sadness before, and I'd sort of tried them out. Um, uh, you know, they're okay. I really enjoyed that album. I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, it's the repeat listening factor. It's definitely been, been played more than once. So um, that's good. But I'm going to talk about Pattern Seeking Animals. So a brand new band for a brand new year. A self-titled debut album um, came out about July of this year. The album centers around the work of John Beghold. And he set out, um, he said to produce music that's progressive and integrate, but it's also immediate and melodic. And I think that that really comes across. He started off to produce an album and he called upon the talents of the people that he knew um, so a rhythm section of Jimmy Keegan and of Dave Meros um, on drums and bass. And then he added in Ted Leonard on guitar and vocals. And I'm sure people listening to this podcast will know that those people have worked together before and that John himself has been a writer, um, and this written material that those guys have recorded. But what they ended up producing together was a hook filled album, um, with really a rich variety of sounds and styles. Um, you know, Tracks like No Man's Land, we've really hear in that rhythm section really coming to the fore. Um, John's keyboards are a key part of um, the music; they're atmospheric um, and they're probably less dominant, maybe and shreddy most of the time than maybe you might expect. Um, but they're really, really good. You're adding in Ted Leonard, who's bringing a full range of vocal styles and um yeah you know really um just bringing everything he does but is also playing guitar and again I suppose when we think of these guys working together in Spock's beard um you know the guitar sound there is very different Ted doesn't play a lot of guitar in that and so this adds something fresh uh, to the music I feel um you know it's not an album full of extended solos but you know as I said earlier on, it's immediate, it's melodic, um, and it's really on point the whole way through it. Um, if you haven't heard it before and you want to check it out, um, a really kind of immediate poppy song, uh, no one ever died and made me king, which I know there was a video for at the time. There's a really kind of, kind of quite quirky, strange song about a collector, um, called these are my things. And, um, and the album also does have a sp- prog finale in the last track, Stars Along the Way, which is a which is a longer exp- exploration. Um, I think there's a lot of people are hoping that next year we get a chance to see this band live. Who knows? Um, they, they have talked about it, certainly, in terms of doing something. Um, but yeah, it was a, a really great album for me, and I tried to approach it without the preconceptions of it being a kind of Spock's Beard side project. And I think without without that um you know it stands alone as something that is really worth listening to i've traveled around the world and tried a hundred different things
2: hoping to find heaven but the angels never see
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound that much like Spock's Beard outside of the Ted Leonard matching voice wise, but um, you know, songwriting of John Bagholt is recognizable to a degree, but the quirkiness that is usually there with Spox is not on this, so you won't
1: find that much.
0: Well, I think, um, I think
1: musically, maybe it's less quirky, lyrically, I think it's got a lot of nice, really, really cool touches, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's got a lot of great hooks, a lot of great memorable moments. It's a fun album to listen to. I think for our first album, they did a great job. They're right back around recording the second one, and they want that to be out next year, supposedly. Mm. So that might happen. And uh, and they are playing uh, Rozfest is one show that they have lined up. I don't know about anything else. Um, but, uh, yeah, another great new band that popped up this year and, and want to keep an eye on with, with some names we all know and like. All right, let's jump on to your pick, Kyle, for your your first of your three.
5: All right, fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about In Continuum, and they've got sort of a double album, Acceleration Theory. There's a lot going on here. I'm going to try and summarize it succinctly, which is tough for me. But uh, the first disc called Part 1, Alien A, it came out January 1st, so the first day of 2019, the second disc, actually, in preparation for this podcast, I was just listening to the first. The second disc just came out like a few days ago, so I've not given it as much time. But it, there's a, a complicated kind of, uh, it's a theme album uh, or a concept album set in Earth in 2074. And I guess for lack of a better explanation, you can read it online. <laughs> it's an intergalactic love story. Aliens have given up on Earth. And as best I can tell, I think Earth at the end is, dest- is destroyed it's destroyed. space in the Romeo and Juliet.
3: That's the story, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know like,
5: what? Spoiler yeah, alert! Like Spoiler like alert! <laughs> well, it's For in the title, can... is it not? Is it not in the title? Annihilation. What do you think's going to happen? It's like the movie Armageddon. What do you think's going to happen? I guess we didn't actually reach Armageddon anyway. So, uh, but hey, it's all good because I think we become one with the universe again, or something like that. Um, so, if you don't know this project, it is Dave Kersner's project, largely. He wrote a good amount of this, uh, along with the band Sound of Contact, which is a great band. I love the album from 2013, Dimensionaut. He plays keys, and he sings, and I think the most obvious thing to say about his voice is it does share qualities with that of another David, David Gilmore, and uh, to me, this actually sounds a lot like 80s-era Pink Floyd. It's got touches of Stephen Wilson solo work, and maybe a touch of Peter Gabriel, and there's a huge supporting cast, which I think is a theme this year, is long albums with lots of music, with lots of people playing with one another. I, so he's got on bass from Sound of Contact Matt Dorsey, Randy McStein is on this, Marco uh, Miniman, because why not? He plays drums, and it's actually some of my favorite drumming from him. Uh, he's got others, Steve Hackett, uh, let's see, John Davison sings on this, Nick Virgilio, because we got to have Nick on this. It's a lot of different people. Actually, one of my favorite tracks of this entire year is the song Scavengers, which is on that part one.
0: Yeah, that's a great I tune. I love
5: that song. Um, I'm a huge fan of Marco. I'm a drummer, at, not on any level that should be quoted, but uh, he, <laughs> okay. he's fantastic. You just did? Yeah, I just gave it away, didn't I? Um, but as somewhat of a student of Marco, for me, this is one of his best drum tracks of the last few years. And I like that it's fun and it's upbeat. And uh, you know, I think a lot of prod can take itself too seriously. So I, I really dig that song. From part two, which, again, just came out, there is a 20-minute song on there, and I love Epics, called Annihilation Theory. And it's got this kind of cool Jane's Addiction, uh, Perry Farrell feel on the verses that I like and kind of throwback for me. Um, and I, I did not get to catch them. I know they were on Cruise to the Edge. I wasn't on that. Did anyone catch them on yeah, that? Yeah, it was
3: really great, actually. It was a pleasure seeing them. Like yeah. Marco, in my opinion, was the star of the show. I don't know if you disagree or not, Roy, because you're, He
0: usually is on the band he yeah. plays with. He usually is. You you can't stop watching. Yeah, him, we we yeah, were we were
3: there is. together, Roy and I, a few other friends of ours, and watching these guys was crazy. The the stage was crowded. Um a lot lots of people, lots of guests. They even had Steve Hackett play their track, Crash Landing, which is also a great track. Um. Nice. They played. Uh, it, it was a a great set. They play "Hands of Time," which is my personal favorite from the album. Um, insane. I think it's probably the longest song. It's got this this kind of a middle eastern vibe. Uh, great instrumental yep. section. Overall, I, I agree with you, Kai. It's a great record. I haven't had the chance of checking out the second part, but I really enjoy the first part as well.
0: Great. Moving along. Um, all right. I'm going to jump in with my first choice. Uh, and I'm really happy to talk about this one. I've loved this album from day one when it came out. And it's the uh, Ned Sylvan album, Regal Bastard, which um, title aside, which I always find funny. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just such a cool record. I was listening to it again the other day to recap. And again, I just I really like this album a lot. Uh, it really reminds me of that the classic Genesis albums lyrically, um, you know, what he tries to paint a picture of with the way he sings and the stories he's telling reminds me of that era of Foxtrot and Nursery Crime and, you know, Selling England by the Pound. And of course, he's, he is singing those songs on tour with Steve Hackett. Maybe there's some influence that seeps in there, but um, he just has a really cool voice and there's just some great songs on here. Uh, I think some of the best uh, that he's done Um the title track in particular is, is a 12-minute epic. That's my favorite on there. You got Nick Virgilio playing drums. Um, you got uh, appearances by Steve Hackett and Guthrie Govan on this, uh, which he's had them on previous albums before. And their solos are just so tasteful and great how they how they play them. Um, I Am the Sea was the first single to the opening track. It's just really cool, really killer rock song. Uh, there's a some weird titles. There's a, a song called "Woe, Always Been Without You," which is a really cool uh, melodic uh, kind of pop song. Um, and uh, if and if you want some just some great soloing, "Leave Me on These Waters" has just a tremendous solo by Guthrie Govan on there, which is just amazing. Uh, and then he follows that up. It connects to a an instrumental called "Honey, I'm Home," where Steve Hackett takes over and solos, and that is some of Hackett's best soloing in years. So uh i i can't say enough about this album i think it's it's just great and if you like that kind of genesis classic prog sound this is the album that does that closest i think uh and that's that's why i keep uh referring to it i think
1: i think that's part of it roy the the other thing that i would say about it is that it is lots of areas that genesis certainly don't go to um i mean nad is the singer but he also plays some great keyboards on it he also does some uh really good um kind of guitar parts um yeah. there's a really funky track meet your maker which has nick de virgilio and tony levin um paired up on it um and you know, and then they say, the, "What is it? A diva time, which is like the kind of diva time evil, is a completely
0: ev- different style, yeah." Evil, <laughs>
1: evil, Abba, <laughs> yeah. Is, and uh, and and even an an Irish. It ends with an Irish poem. I know those are bonus tracks, but um, I I really like like those two additional tracks. But it's a re- it's a really strong album. And you're 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 right about the themes, but um, I think that um, you know, it's 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 a very strong album. And again, it's got the. I come back to it factor, which, uh, which is always really important.
0: All right, moving on.
3: Um, let's see. Daniel, you're up. So next up is Ink Out of Inum is an album by one of my favorite bands, Opeth. So online there's this whole debate that's been happening for years right now. So if, is Opeth coming back with the growls, with the death metal vocals. This has been happening for years and I, I think like eight years now since Heritage came out. And this is like a new era for Opeth, where they're in this proggier side. Heritage has been great. Then they had Pale Communion, which is one of probably a top three album for me, a top three Opeth album, in my opinion. And then Sorceress, which I think is also great, very proggy, a little bit weird, like mixing uh, side. Uh, And then they had this, which, in my opinion it gets, like, the best of these three new era, modern era opeth elements and mix in with a bunch of the old, like, the modern, like, middle opeth era stuff. So, I I see a a bunch of elements and darker melodies from um, stuff like, like, Watershed. Like, Watershed. There's melodies that resemble that in, in songs like like dignity and heart in hand. And they're covering like very different. I think this is an album they played it safe for a few songs, and they, they just went wild for other ones. And they, they have very moving moments, very beautiful and very melodic. And the other ones they just went insane. Like there's there's a song called The Garretter. There's very it's very weird. It's like kind of a dark jazzy song. Uh there's I never heard opeth do anything like that before so no there's some
0: there's some great songs on this album a lot and it's just really cool and you can hear more and more on an album like this the stephen wilson influence coming in on especially like a song like dignity um his voice michael's voice sounds so cool on this and the way they use the the big background vocal parts and the acoustic guitar and all that stuff i think it's it's just a really, really cool album. A lot of really great stuff on here. Um, I found it, uh, it, again, it continues the last few albums that they're doing. I think I like it better than Sorceress in the last one, even though that one yeah, was also too. really good. Um, but uh, I, I think they did a great job with this one. It's it's just another flawless record for them from Beginning 10. And I, I'll be honest, when I listened to them in the last few years with these albums, and especially on this one, I just I think it's astonishing not not to use that word, but what they what they've been able to do in changing their sound and their entire fan base has gone right along with them, and I think it's such a drastic change, and they and it just has not mattered. I think I, I wouldn't
3: say entire, but I agree with you. Like, there's also like a few bad peas in the pond. Is that the expression?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, think about what they did. They changed their sound, and a lot of time bands that have. Sometimes change their sound if you look at Metallica or Genesis or some of those, they've done it to become commercial. Yeah. So you could say, Okay, but we now we're selling more records, more people like us. You can, but mm. it's not like Opeth became commercial. <laughs> I mean, it's even more weird, uh-huh. you know, what they're doing. And all the metal fans that they, you know, there's some that still complain, but for the most part, they're still selling out major
3: venues and selling a lot of records, and they're as big as ever and i don't yeah, know like, how to me i it like off, it better that it's, way it's i mean cool. i i like the death metal stuff i liked everything about it but i also like the direction they they've been coming in as well i think it works yeah, yeah. i like the stuff
0: better too personally so
4: opeth has managed to really it, for their for their true fans and the ones that follow them um they have really programmed their fans not to trust and hang their hats on yeah. one style because even from the early days they were like like deep death metal. And then they slowly start going through changes. You start to hear it. You know, the Stephen Wilson comes in Blackwater Park and they start to incorporate other, you know, parts that are just not growling and heavy all the time with singing. And that continues on. That change has continued on. And so they the great thing about them is you can have the entire Opeth discography and have extremely varied styles that they deliver. And they do everything really well. And it's it goes along with the personality of of the band that they have never really followed the trends. They've always wanted to do what they want to do. And in this particular album, not only they've I, I totally agree, Daniel, in that they have combined the the highlights of their last three albums, which have been more on the melodic proggy side but they've really gone to a darker tone that goes back to the days of, you know, ghost yeah. reveries and, um, and, and, and watershed. And listen, the, the other, the other thing that just fits right in with that, they're not really following the, the trends. I thought it was really cool that this is an album that they have a Swedish version as well as an English version. Yep. Hmm. And you know, that's, that's terrific. We, we get so programmed into thinking, you know, that the entire world only sings in, English and for the most part, bands do. But it's great that they're able to do this. You know they're strong enough. Yeah, Michael actually wrote the
3: the entire thing in Swedish, and they are playing live the songs in the original the original version. So it's in Swedish. So we are learning the songs in English when we listen to them. If we go watch them live, we will know zero lyrics.
0: Yeah, well, he only he, he wrote that he did the English one just to yeah, so have more yeah, people it makes would sense. listen to it. Yeah, so for people like, people like me yeah. who are probably going yeah. to only listen So, yeah, English.
3: overall, I love this um, album. Like yeah. we were saying, it unites various elements. You hear songs like Universal Truth, which is my personal favorite. It has a lot of elements from Pale Communion, also elements from Motorshed or Ghost Reveries. And it's a darker tone, but very melodic, very sentimental. Uh, overall, I, I think Michael did an amazing job with it. The band also, it's at full swing. Also, uh, Frederick, I think the other guitar player, I think he really, really shines in this record. His mm-hmm. guitar solo in Harding Hand yeah. in particular is one of my favorites, probably since he joined the band. It's great stuff.
0: Uh, well, let's move on. Victor, all right, you're up, Vic.
4: So the next album I have is from a very familiar artist, um, The Cocoon by Richard Henshaw, known obviously mainly from Haken, uh, but ob- he's also done uh, Shattered Fortress. He's also done projects with um, Dan Briggs from Between the Buried and Me. That particular project was the Nova Collective. So I was anxious when there was talk of him having his solo album and that there was going to be, he was going to be singing on it, but there was also going to be some, some guests. So this was a project that if you go back and I encourage people to listen to the Porcupine Tree Top Five Songs, where Henshaw was on that podcast, and he explains that he had been working on it for over four years, kind of on his own in between all the other different projects that he was being a part of and was able to bring in the, just the talents of Matt Lynch, who he had worked with on Nova Collective, uh, Connor Green, who is his uh, fellow bandmate at Hagen. And, um, and then he had uh, several different guests, a couple from uh, the band Bent Knee. He also had uh, Ross Jennings sing uh, guest vocals on one of the tracks Jordan Rudess got to play a keyboard solo, and um, and there's you got instrumentation such as you know saxophone solo in the title track, um, kind of all over the place. From the standpoint, you could see that he is not uh, really boxed in. There was uh, there was a, a change in how Haken put their stuff together, especially ever since Connor Green joined the band back in uh, 2014 where it was a more collaborative effort for Haken and Richard Henshaw, who had pretty much put everything together prior to that, now was putting together music that he wanted to put together without the compromises of being in a band. The resulting album is a severely eclectic, album. You have tracks that are very spatial, set some great, you know, mellow moods, and at the same time you have some eight-string gent type riffs that just uh blow things up. So the impression of the album when it starts playing, it's it's a very dark type subject just in the mood that it sets. It's not a quote happy mood and the way that that he brings it around at the end of the final track it does have you know a reminder of of the first track and there's just some great parts in it i mean he goes uh he has little uh, transitional songs uh in which just kind of fill the gaps it's it's really a sonic continuous theme So really your ears don't get much of a break. He takes you for a great ride.
0: I find it, it, it's like a Haken, but a little bit jazzier, you know? And I really think the production on the album lends a lot to how it sounds different from Haken and, and accentuates his vocability, which is, he's not a great singer and I don't think he would expect anybody to think that, but the vocal parts that he does do, it works, you know, the way, the way it's structured and, Ross Jennings guesting and stuff like that. It makes for a really cool listen. And it really is, from beginning to end, it's not a very long album. You can listen to the whole thing and it really just continues along, almost like a concept album. Uh, and uh, I just think it's great for, for a solo album for him to put together. Yeah, the, the interesting so part
3: of listening to that album is he's one of the main composers in Haken and is to to hear what he brings to the table. So it's pretty easy to spot what his contributions are. So like this this the song, the title track is pretty nuts. Uh, Twisted Shadow is also one of my, my favorites. It's the one with Ross and Jordan Brutus, but it has a few um, elements there that, that you know um, that, that would appear in a Haken song as well.
0: um all right jeff you're up
1: okay my next choice and i'm delighted to to have got this one a big big train grand tour um coming after folklore in 2016 grimm's pound 2017 and then bonus album second brightest star in 2018 we have another new album and they're a band that have been around for nearly 30 years and um I'm still on a kind of big, big train high after my bucket list moment seeing them live in Edinburgh a few weeks ago. Um, And I suppose the the run of um, the last four or five albums has been very much a kind of British focus. This one broadens itself out. Um, It's not a concept album, but I suppose it's an album with a concept in that it's thematic based around the... 17th or 18th century habit of rich europeans going on a tour to expand their um views and experience on science and art and that kind of um prompts the writing of um david longdon greg Spotton, and also um this time i'm delighted to see nick Virgilio's name in the writing credits um we were talking about um, the combination of stories, whatever. I love listening to a new Big Big Train album with the sleeve notes, with all the background info, all the stuff that the songs are about. Um, but also, you know, it kicks off with a really immediate melodic pop song called Alive, which was one of my favorites kind of theme songs of the summer. And um, The Florentine, uh, a great um, duet between David Longdon, Nick DiVergilio, acoustic-y, but starts to have lots of dynamic shifts, great pantheon, uh, an instrumental written by Nick de Virgilio. It's got brass section. It's got tubas. It's got moogs. It's got flutes. It's got violins. It's got electric guitars. It's just an amazing, um, instrumental. And then an epic finale. I like my epic finales on an album and Voyager homecoming right at the end, a beautiful, um, conclusion, talking about space exploration as sort of the 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 modern day equivalent of that grand tour um uh, you know it it's just a really really high quality album one that i have loved and in in keeping with my experience of past big big train albums they're they're deep and you just keep getting more and more from them um every time you you listen to them Uh, So I think this one is a a real step up. You know, I've been following the band for more than 10 years and you just see the band developing and growing. Um, Looking forward next year to hopefully some live dates um, for those people in America and um, and whatever comes next. Um, Brilliant, brilliant album. One of my real favorites this year.
0: They've become over the last few years, just one of my favorite bands on the planet. And I just, I love what they do so much to me. They're the most unique band of, of all the bands that we listen to. in all of this, they, they just, they have their own thing. They don't try to metal it out. They don't try to get heavy. They don't try to write hit singles. They just have their own unique, big, big train style. Um, and david logden is just the best singer uh, on earth and uh you know greg spotton the, the melodies that he writes and nick fadilio's drumming and the the entire band the way they use the brass section um, i find their music to be so uh just uplifting and uh there's so many goosebump moments for me when i listen to them voyager and homecoming like you said in particular are just two of the best tracks to come out this year and uh but just in general their whole discography since logged and joined from under fall yard to to today is just some of my favorite music uh ever made and i just think this is a band that demands uh listening and a larger audience i think it's it's the band that you know next to some of the ones that we generally do you know report on a lot like S- steven wilson and neil Morse as a handful these guys are right up there with with those those groups and artists that demand uh attention and should be listened to and and more well known than they are yep and i think that's been progressing with for them with each album which is really great to see they just won album of the year at the Prague awards and you know and stuff like that but i just uh you know there's times when you forget about a band for a minute and then you listen to it and a song from this album or one of the previous albums will pop up and I just I just get a smile and I think, man, I just love this band so much. That's my feeling about them. I just think
1: they're so great. I think it's probably telling in terms of a lot of the time we've talked about, you know, this band sounds like this. There's there's nobody or nothing that I know of that sounds like Big Big Train <laughs> when they've really ar- arrived at that. I agree. Point. I
0: mean... They just, they're, they're their thing. They're big, big train. That's it. They've, they've defined their own sound. And that's why, yeah. And that's why, you know, this album comes out and, and is funny because some of the criticism was like, well, it just sounds like big, big train. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's supposed to set, I don't want, I do not want them putting out a heavy record. I, <laughs> I don't want that, you know? I want them to do this because no one else does it.
4: That's it. I remember when Roy first introduced his band to me, many years ago, and the, the initial impression of what they do and how they come across is that their music is very deep, uh, just in in the chord progressions that they have mm. and just the, the sound that they project. And it's something that for an audiophile, it's really cool to hear. And I was very pleased as to hearing Jeff describe their live performance that he recently saw. He just described it that it was a sound engineer's dream as far as how they're delivering their concert.
0: They are coming to the U S one official date so far booked. They will be also at Ross Fest. and an interesting note for pattern seeking animals fans. The two bands will be playing on the same night at Ross Fest. So that's going to be
5: exciting. Mm-hmm.
0: And I will definitely be there for that. I can't wait. Um, all right, Kyle, you've been quiet. Let's get on the, to your next pick.
5: So the next album is uh, the flower Kings waiting for miracles. And you know? this is their first album. In six years, of course, there was The Flower King that came out, and uh, Roina has been active in a lot of different ways. But it's exciting to see them back together. There have been a lot of lineup changes. I'm personally sad to see the drummer Felix Lerman gone. Um, it's still a great band, great album. I'm just a huge fan of his. So, of course, we have uh, Roina, we have Jonas, and we have Hase back together again with new members Zach. Thank goodness his name is Zach from an endless sporadic who you might know. And then an Italian drummer named Mirko, and he's from Vivaldi Metal Project. So a little bit of a different band there, but still it has the Flower King sound. I was a a huge fan again of 2012's Banks of Eden, great album, and the follow-up 2013's Desolation Rose not road. Um, and I, I do, and I've already said this, I'm sorry to pick on the new drummer. I I miss the drumming. It's a lot more bombastic on those albums. There's a lot more going on. They've kind of settled back into, I think what was maybe their sound before that from a drum perspective, it's a little bit more focused, uh, kind of plays to the music a little more. Um, but the music itself, I think the things that I love the most about flower Kings, the expansive sound of it, the guitar solos, the fretless bass sound that Jonas brings, Probably one of my favorite bass players in Prague today. Um, And and the delicate vocal parts I just absolutely love. I love their vocal harmonies as well. That's all here on full display. And that sort of classic 1970s Prague sound that the Flower Kings are so well known for is definitely here. A lot of great tracks. This is a huge album, two discs. I, I like Black Flag, Miracles for America, which was their sort of lead song. It's about 10 minutes long. It's pretty perfect if you're a fan of the Flower Kings. Vertigo uh, Vertigo's great. Wicked Old Symphony and, and several other ones. Uh, what did you guys think of this
3: album? I love it. I think we were talking about instrumental songs earlier. This album also has Ascending to the Stars. I think is also one of the greatest, one of the best instrumental songs of the year as well. Overall, it, it harkens back to to older Flower Kings albums too. It has a lot of the older elements stuff of like maybe Seminole No Evil, which is Already thirteen years old, I think, and even, even some elements from Space Revolver or are, are Stardust VR, and mixed in with the with the more recent albums such as Desolation Rose and Bakes of Eden as well. So I, I think it's a very, very flexible album. has a, a, a very a lots of strengths. I, I love Black Flag. the 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 main the first song, I think it's really strong
0: uh yeah i think it's a great album um a solid return from them there's a lot of great stuff on there the, the new single that just came out uh, wicked old symphony is just really catchy i love that miracles for america is awesome there's some great prog moments in there um i mean this is again it's this guy's doing what they know how to do best and and when you get those group of guys together or, or and and roina's you know leading the charge I mean, he's, in a, he's one of the amazing songwriters that we've ever had in, in this genre. And uh, he just knows what he's doing. And when you listen to it, it you know, it, in particular, for them being gone for a while, it sort of feels like, I've said this, like putting on an old pair of shoes. Like, it just feels like the Flower Kings, and it sounds good.
1: Yeah, I spent a lot of time um, over the last couple of years exploring, you know, the back catalog again um, through the box sets that came out. Um, but, but I have to say when this one arrived, you know, there's an element of what can a new album bring that, um, you know, hasn't already been covered in this massive catalog. And I just loved it right from the start. You know, it just, it just struck me as a really, really solid album from the start. I think I was kind of nearly ready to be a bit disappointed. And yeah, as Daniel said, Black Flag kicked in. I was like, no, okay, (laughs) this is, this is going to be great. And it's not just about Black Flag, the whole, um album and in fact I got it on the vinyl and it's just really great actually the way it kind of works across the two discs on that um too. Really, really have enjoyed um listening to it. <laughs>
0: Um, All right. I'm going to jump in. So my second choice, completely out of left field, out of nowhere, a band I had never heard of before. And uh, has become one of my favorite albums of the year. And it's a band with the name Moron Police, Um, a a quirky band out of Norway. uh, And it's just um, it's it could be the complete opposite musically of something like Big Big Train, (laughs) which is very kind of you know, more like sort of laid back and long and, 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 you know, slower at times and, and, and symphonic at times more on police are just like you let a bunch of dogs out of their cages and they're just going nuts. (laughs) And, and I love that about it. It's just a fun, really upbeat record. There's no ballads on it. There's no nothing like that. They just want to play at, at a fast speed and there's a lot of, you know, strumming acoustic guitar along everything and saxophones and flutes and all this crazy stuff and um, crazy. I mean, we'll take a single like Captain Awkward, which is probably the clip we'll play uh, from, from that album. I mean, that is, that might be even my favorite song of the year. It's just just so bonkers. Uh, yet so melodic at the same time. Just all these parts that don't go together, but when they go together, they make perfect sense. Um, The album's called The Boat on the Sea. And, uh, you know, we've talked about them a lot on the website, and hopefully a lot of people have had a chance to check them out. But if you're listening to this and you haven't yet, I highly recommend it. It's just such a fun record. It's a completely different take on Prague. I don't know if they even consider themselves a Prague band, but the playing on this is really, really good. And the songwriting is really adventurous and unique and goes all over the place. It's a short record. I think it's less than 40 minutes. Um, but I uh, highly recommend it. Just an album that has stuck with me for months and months, and I just think it's amazing.
4: They have mastered the 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 catchy melody because in the middle of all that madness and sense of humor and not taking themselves seriously, even even to his uh, signature scatting uh, vocal singing along with some very intricate rhythmic parts um it's the melodies that uh that really shine through in in all of their songs and yeah my only complaint was the fact that it was uh too brief of an album uh, hopefully that means that they are gonna release something new sooner rather than later and you know entirely different than from the first couple of albums which were a lot more just rock centered you know hard driven uh music so it was uh very pleasant surprise uh, you know this this is the type of album that in 2019 it, it's it's this good where it's it's making you know the list uh, if it would have been any other year um, wow they, they they may have uh, they may have taken the top spot of, of everything just because it's it's that fun and fresh and, and entertaining to listen to so that was a very pleasant surprise from a relatively unknown artist to to me.
0: Yeah, it doesn't happen usually on these lists where it's it's literally a band none of us have ever heard of. That that's rare. That, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um uh, anybody here familiar with the Bare Naked Ladies? Yeah, Kyle, I, I imagine you probably are. I feel like more on police a little bit in a way. Totally. Yeah. They sound a little bit like a prog yeah. version of Bare Naked Ladies.
5: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Really eclectic and got a good sense of humor. You know, Bare Naked Ladies has a very strong following, great band, really great in concert. They did a little dance number in concert. Um, Yeah. So I don't know if Moron Police, I got a question with a name. Are they police who are moronic or are they policing people who are morons? Is it just, is it just a name? Is that a bad question?
0: I did not think (laughs) of it that much. The story is one of them on a, one of them put on like an army service hat or something okay. that had moron the initials people. MP uh, like the story. And then one of them showed it to the other and nice. he goes, look, it's the moron police or something, something like that. And then they went, Hey, that might be a funny band name. And then they used it. And then they realized later, maybe it was yeah. a bad idea, but it was too late. Cause I, it's, I'm glad I asked on that everything. Question, yeah. But you know what? I, I told him, well, I told, I told the, uh, the guy that um when I was interviewing them, that it's probably the reason mm. I checked them out. So I don't know that it's the worst name because you got to wonder why would a band name themselves this Okay, great. Alright, we're down to the uh we're down to the last five, the 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 last five of the best albums of 2019. So uh, let's go all the way back to Daniel. What's yours?
3: All right. So finishing off with Pitfalls by Leprous. So I started listening to this one and then I listened to it again. And again, and then again and again. I was listening to it all the time. Then <laughs> when I really I really like I realized I was completely addicted to it. It happened very suddenly. I don't know how, I, but I don't. I, but I know why. Okay, so so this album is not very similar to the other ones, so it's kind of a risk to the band to release something like this. And I was not a big fan of the band beforehand. I knew them, I liked their stuff, but I wasn't like a big fan. So going in, I didn't have any worries about that. I liked I liked Molina, their pre- previous records, and I knew some stuff from bilateral and coal as well, which some songs kind of resemble, like Foreigner and Sky is Red. Um, but they also have like Observe the Train, which is a very melodical stuff, and at times it almost sounds like Radiohead. Which yeah, is which is crazy. And this album is very, very intense and emotional. Einar is their their lead singer and lead composer. He his vocal he his vocal skills are really really amazing. He he goes to these high pitched notes and he has a, a control over the notes that's almost like it, it's Inhuman. That's the word to describe it. it it's it's yeah. very it's very it's very crazy. So, what puts this album? Th- this is probably my album of the year. I don't know. It, it's hard to it's hard to decide. It's a crazy year, but it's among the the top. But what puts it above the rest is actually the lead the lead single, the alleviate, or how I like to call it alleviate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why, but prog bands, they do pop songs better than pop artists. And this song is a perfect example.
4: Because Uh, they have talent.
3: uh, Yeah, kind of. So the chorus of this song is perfect. It it builds in in a way with very different uh, instrumentation and orchestration. It's very particular. The way they build the song is it's, it's not in a, the ordinary prog fashion, it's not in an ordinary uh, pop way of the melodic you know uh, fashion, it's it's very it's very it's very good
0: That also is one of my favorite songs of the year and the, the ending is just so awesome and the way his vocal range on that song is insane um, I agree with you, it's an album that started off sort of sort of uh, in between for me. I was like, Oh, it's good. You know, I'll listen to it a few more times. And then by the fifth or sixth time, I just, I was with you. I'm like, this is amazing. It's just, yep. they stepped it up so much in, in their songwriting on this album. Um It's a, also a band that keeps changing. Every album with them has been slightly different each time. And uh, for the metal fans, they might be upset that this isn't as metal as, you know, the congregation or bilateral or something previous albums, but, um, from what I've been reading even metal fans seem to really like this yeah. album because it's just it's like Opeth it's them finding another way to do the same kind of dark heavy thing it's just not with metal necessarily but the the sensibilities and the soul of it is still the same and uh, it's a really really great album it's I mean it might it might be their best album with all that said
2: I
1: I have to admit, I had a number of preconceptions, and I suppose, I mean, I'd heard the band's name. I kind of just had in my head death metal, you know, but because I'd seen the name, I'd seen sort of the bands they support or play with, and thought, right, that's not, you know, for me. And a lot of you guys were raving about it, and I went, yeah, it's okay. There's lots of stuff that you guys like that I completely don't like. Um, But this week, I just popped it on, thinking, right, okay, let me have a listen, and it was not at all like what i expected it to be like i mean the guys vocals are just absolutely amazing they're absolutely outstanding um again i just expected you know something very dark um very very heavy yeah. very shreddy and it's not i mean it's incredibly melodic i mean and i just was um i was just amazed by it it was just not what i expected and i really really enjoyed it which as as those of you who know me know is not something that i will necessarily The, the last
0: thing i'll say about this band is that live they're one of the best bands i've seen in a long time and they are a band that so deserves to be massively huge with people that like tool and and that that kind of stuff this band is there they're ready to go if you know i just keep picturing of all the bands we ever talk about you put this band on you know, like Saturday Night Live for for two songs, and it would blow people's minds. You know, you always get these bands like Arcade Fire and all that kind of stuff that get on TV, but you put this band on there, and no one will think it's Prague, and they will just be blown away. Yeah, the band I they just need that one
1: chance. The band I hear the most similar to, and I know that you guys don't necessarily follow but muse would be the band that i would draw the closest parallel to you yeah in what I yeah hear. i think so yeah, I, I think
0: so that's that's the closest one i mean muse has gotten far away from me from what they started off as and i i, I don't really listen to them nor but, but if you've li- anymore but they're more but yeah more,
1: they're more recent stuff in places, sounds very, very similar to what. Yeah, I, was I could see that. On yeah, lepros, so.
0: but again, that's it. That's a perfect. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to say that again, you put Leprous with. Yeah, and I can see the audience a- of Muse. If the Muse audience saw Leprous live at a show, yeah. they would be like,
3: "I'm on, I'm on board. I yeah. like it." Yeah, and I can see Leprous it- going in a similar direction as well.
4: Yeah, as good as these guys are in in the studio, uh, live. You know, I saw them about a year ago. Uh, they were one of the opening bands for. Uh, for Haken they were uh, Haken was on tour with Vector and uh they just were awesome they nailed everything just the, the, yeah. the their dynamic their dynamic range is is great and you wouldn't think of that of of a of a prog band that has been known for their metal but they just yeah. they really really build up to a great climax uh, they do great Well job. And they're
0: building up they're building up their name in the US and if they come to your town in in United States or anybody's listening you you have to go see this band it absolutely have to go see this band um. Okay. Uh. Who's up next?
4: Victor. All right. So this next band, uh, you know, coming off uh, their most controversial album in their discography, uh, decide to sort of scrap everything, you know, shack themselves up in a uh, in a in a house in the middle of the uh, New York, upstate New York mountains and uh, jam. And they've created an album that uh, a lot of the loyal fans are. Agreeing that this is a a return to form, of course, I'm talking about Dream Theater's distance over time. They just really bring about that which made a lot of the original fans fall in love with them. They really deliver a collection of songs that, uh, that are strong from start to finish. There's really not a point that you skip. They have some, you know, older, almost... Recalling back to Metallica Master Puppets uh, days, which is really cool, as well as maintaining a really proggy edge to them. Um, The highlight of the album, uh, several highlights in the album, uh, Untethered Angel, Falling Into the Light. They tend to be more straightforward metal prog songs. Barstool Warrior has such a great beginning and really deliver on the proggy side of things. At wit's end is just such a strong song. A lot of people think that that is uh, just the the highlight of of the album. It's it's a great great song, and just how the song comes back at the end, kind of in a in a very you know distant way. It's 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 so cool. Uh, I cannot go without mentioning Jeff's favorite, Paralyzed. Uh, yeah. You know that's that's kind of you know the 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 arena rock. You know, pound your fist and sing along with that. And, and Pale Blue Dot. They played that song live, saw that song live, and just the power of that song. It's a return to that, that over the top progginess, metal prog that uh, that Dream Theater can deliver. The album sounds great. I think, engineering wise, the way that the drums are balanced with the guitars, everything is just absolutely solid. The guys deliver a great performance. Uh, you know, Mangini on the drums with Myung on bass just really gel well Petrucci's guitar playing and composition has gotten great. And of course you got the master Jordan Rudis that, uh, you know, can play anything and Labrie delivers some terrific vocals that live, he sounded absolutely terrific, just really doing a good job taking care of his voice and being a part of, uh, of, of the dream theater collective, this album. Um, glad I got to review it. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a great return to, to form, um, I would argue that if I was to rank the Dream Theater albums from a personal standpoint, um, it would—it's the the top album um, with Mangini, and I would say it's definitely you know top six, maybe top five, but uh, it's a great album. And you know, if, if you listen to this podcast, if you know the prog report, Dream Theater has been around for a while. It's not going to be a surprise but if you wrote them off or didn't like the astonishing or just trying to figure out as like, Oh, they're, they're, they're not going to be as good as when guess what? Check it out.
1: I famous for liking the astonishing, um, that I am. Um, I, I did enjoy this one a lot. Um, I actually, last night, um, working through a pile of stuff that i hadn't listened to but i got to listen to the 5.1 which has a load of video animation and stuff with it and it's a, a really great sounding album um and again I, I you know there there are we've been talking recently about dream theater albums that you like dream theater albums that you dislike again in terms of repeated plays in terms of you know an album that i've kept going back to over the period since it's been released it's one that i have really really enjoyed and i can also understand why and um, people who didn't like the last album will will really like th- this one so yeah it's it's a very very solid album and um yeah i enjoyed it
0: i think it's their best group of songs in in years every song on this album is really good there's no wasted moments and it just sound revi- revitalized i think after many years and it had to do with how they recorded it and all of that living together for a month and everything. Um, But it's the best production they've had in years. And uh, yeah, I mean, songs like At Wit's End, Barstow Warrior, these are are some of the best songs they've written in, in a long time. I just think it's a great, great album by the, you know, the legends, you know, what can you say? Amen. We got three more to go. Uh Jeff, you're next.
1: And three more to go. Number three, third degree by Flying Colors. Um, We didn't even plan that. You see, seamless. I am I am
4: so I I am so jealous you got this one. This is this (laughs) is a good one.
1: I yeah, no, I lucked out getting this one. I mean, where where do I start talking about this album? Um, an album that the band have been working on since 2016. And and what I have to say is in the most complimentary way it sounds like it um you know i've said a couple of times before um this particular combination of musicians produce something that's kind of different you've got you know combinations who actually exist already in other bands um but when you put them together they produce something that they don't do elsewhere um, the synergy and the kind of the both the similarities and the contrasts really come to the fore. Um, they're also a band that, and I guess what I've got a real sense with this album is they hold a really special place in fans' hearts. I don't know whether that's because of maybe the scarcity of albums or the scarcity of live shows that they do, but um, whenever they got announced for Morse Fest this year, um, you know, it turned out to be a, an absolute packed house. There was a huge amount of excitement, and that was before pretty much anyone had even heard a single note from the new album. Um, but where do I start? You know, there's nine tracks. There's 66 minutes. I, I mean, I, t- I don't say things like this, but I think it's pretty much flawless. You know, you have the heavier songs starting it off with more loss inside You have Cadence, those amazing um, Steve Morse harmonics, beautiful. Uh, You have my my children's, my 8-year-old and my 10-year-old's favorite song at the moment is Guardian. They just love that song. Um, Great chorus, um, great chorus. We have Geronimo, uh, just a brilliant, funky, again, different, not really like anything Flying Colors have done the ballad you're not alone we've got love letter you know fantastic pop song an amazing video you have crawl the closing epic and have i missed one out oh maybe i have maybe i've missed out (laughs) uh, last train home um certainly many people and definitely my uh, favorite on the album Uh, an incredible epic of just yeah you know hands in the air um just, just brilliant, and just again that secret sauce factor that I talk about that um, Flying Colors have, uh, and actually, uh, as well, uh, you know, a bonus disc with a really, really solid extra track that didn't make it, and some really clever and interesting um, alternate versions as well. Uh, a bonus disc that um, is worth listening to, and if if all of that were not enough, not one, not one. But two coasters, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, what? What more? What more? Could that doesn't put you in the top three albums? Shouldn't there the have year, been three?
5: We, uh, I know, just did of- Shouldn't there have been three?
4: <laughs> I, 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 oh.
1: I can't argue with that. I yeah. will you know up what, for my how, nap actually, to insert I got, I, that, well, and then I'll, I'll be out. <laughs> well, I got i got i got two with the deluxe right, and one well, with the vinyl so i have three coasters so i mean and i have to admit the extra one is is is, is the icing on the cake yeah. uh yeah no totally so no look an amazing album i am seeing them uh in a couple of weeks time in london i'm so excited to see that and I, I know all of you guys are too um C- can't say much more
0: and of course don't forget uh we just did a top 5 with Neil Morris on top 5 flying color songs and did. Uh, that just came out uh so check that out if you haven't listened to that um i i, I agree with everything you said it's a, it's practically a perfect album um it's great i uh, it's a tremendous band and and they sound awesome on this and one. it has
3: jeronimo so from- the best song of the year <laughs> Oh, there go. Jeff, Jeff and I talked a lot about the song. it's one of our favorites. It has a, a I think a bunch of great
1: moments. I, th- I think Last Train has slightly overtaken it for me, but,
3: but no, yeah, no, yeah. I agree too. But I think it's it's the most different. So yeah, overall,
1: it's also been the year of albums with a track called Geronimo. Yeah, uh, uh, correct. Thank you, Scientist. Had, Thank has you. Geronimo yeah, and yeah. Terraform. Right? Good. Yeah. good research.
4: Good research.
0: Hi, Kyle, I'm uh, here. Is Guys, Kyle I'm here. still there? Up, I'm
5: still Kyle. thinking about Wake those up. coasters. Wake up. Yeah. Wake up. Uh, so <laughs> it's probably an album that we've all listened to, and it's almost hard to believe that it came out this year. And this is Neil Morse Band's yep. The Great Adventure. This is the follow-up to an album that I wore out, 2016's The Similitude of a Dream. And once again, we have a double album set in the world of Pilgrim's Progress If you followed the band, you you know that they didn't necessarily intend to make this album about the same story, but they ended up with it anyway. And I think that's a good thing. And uh, it follows the son's perspective this time around. And because the father had left, the son is upset. And so the album carries a much darker tone. I think, and this is not me just thinking this, this is, you know, talking to people and reading this in interviews, but it sort of follows the same sound that Eric Gillette played on Shattered Fortress with Mike Portnoy, that darker, um, you know, the songs of of Dream Theater's later period with Mike Portnoy, they get inspired a lot of the guitar sounds on this album. And so I, I like darker. I know Vic likes darker. Sorry, Jeff. Um, for me, I would say musically, it's it's hard to say which of these is better or worse, and it's probably stupid to have that argument. Anyway, um,
4: no, it's not. That that's the subject for the yeah. entire podcast that Roy is later on. But I,
5: I, it's an it's an argument, of course, that prog fans would have, and huge fans of Neil Morris in general, which we all are. I don't know which one musically is better. They all have you know unique moments, and 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 they're connected but different. Uh, I would say from a storytelling perspective, and I'll be honest, I hate to always be a critic, but I don't think it matches the first album from a storytelling perspective. It doesn't connect with me on that level quite as much. Maybe it's just because it, it came second. I don't know. Um, I think maybe it's just because it wasn't originally written as another part of the Pilgrim's Progress story. Uh, either way, it's a fantastic album. Seeing it in concert, as is typically the case, it made it really come alive. And I guess the natural kind of follow up question is, will we see a part three and perhaps when for me, I will say, I I hope it's not the next album. I want to see something different from them. But when do you think we'll see three if we will? In 10 years, 10 years. Okay.
0: (laughs) I could see them doing it for sure. I would have my doubts on if they're going to do it for the next one also. But I think it's probably likely, right? It would seem like something they they might do. They didn't mean
1: to do it for this one. So who knows?
0: Who knows? For for me when I'm listening to them both, I I also still feel like if I had to pick I might favor similitude a little bit, but I feel like it's only because similitude yeah. came first. And if it was the reverse, I might say the same thing about Great Adventure. It's, it's too hard to tell, yeah. you know what I mean.
3: Yeah, we just had the podcast about Whirlwind and Sins from Memory, and we we're saying like what makes a good concept album, and we we're saying about callbacks and little elements from the other album. And I think the Great Adventure does that really, really well? You know, it doesn't overdo it, and it does in the perfect amount. They have like the perfect moments. Um, in that in that aspect, I think it nails it.
1: Yeah, no, um, you know, I, I, I think we've seen those of us who are in Neil's inner circle, um, club will have seen the development of the album from something that didn't intend to be a sequel to something that that did uh, or turned out to be, and um. I I just think it's, to me, it's different enough from Similitude not to be kind of more of the same. But again, where it completely comes to life is in, you know, seeing it performed live from start to finish with all the callbacks, with all the kind of features of all the various band members. I mean, it's just a a solid album. And as you said, you know, because it was early on in the year, it, it feels like something that's been been around forever and it's probably a while since I've actually listened to it the whole way through, but I know that um I know that when I do I'll still be as excited about it as I was when I first heard it.
0: you're going to have a live album coming out next year from the tour and uh, mm. probably a Morse fest live version as well. And it'll keep coming up there yep. um, as well. And again, we should, we should mention the yeah. great performances by Eric and, and uh, Bill and Randy as well. That's who just what just, I was going to say is, you know, is that to think
5: about in the span of about five or six years, how far that band has come and they've become for me, my favorite band in Prague right now and how much they each contribute to the unique sound of this group. It's incredible. So really, really grateful for that group. I hope they stay together for a long time. Uh,
0: okay, great. So uh, we got one more. Uh, last album in our best of uh, 2019. Um, you know, we, we've spoken about this album a lot, and it's a surprise for me that I love this album as much as I do, because as much as I am a big uh, a fan of of this artist, I've never, never thought of, one of his albums as best of the year type of thing generally, um, for me, cause it's always been sort of a little heavier than I'm used to listening to. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to just put it out there for Devin Townsend's, uh, empath, which, uh, I think is one of the best albums I've ever heard. And I'm saying that since I've, since I first had a chance to listen to it way back earlier in the year and, uh, it's just a masterpiece. This this should be winning Grammys for album of the year. I mean the the range of uh mu- you know styles and the just the massive production and the arrangements and the fearlessness of you know what he wants to do on this. I mean you got everything on one song. You can, he has Disney to jazz to death metal to punk to disco it, it's just uh, breathtaking to listen to. And, uh, you know, a lot of great guest performances, you know, Mike Keneally, Steve Vai, other people are on there. Um, and now he's go just taking this on tour now with a great show in Europe with, with a uh, Haken opening. And I've seen clips of that and it just looks awesome. Big stage setup and the whole thing, doing it upright and he's selling out places. Um, you know, he's, a, Devin Townsend is one of the, you know, most fearless artists there there's been. He just, he stripped down everything that he had built up from the Devin Townsend project, a really viable money-making machine that was doing well and just said, I got to do something else and got rid of it and, uh, went and made, you know, what I think is his best album. These he's ever done. Um, and the, the of course the, the epic 25 minute song singularity, which is, you know, easily a contender for song of the year, which closed out the album. Um, I just think it's an album that we'll be talking about for years to come. I think it's just incredible.
4: The greatest reaction that I've gotten out of all the albums that I listen to at home, whether I'm out working in my garage or taking care of things on my desk and there's music playing was when I was listening to empath quite some time ago and every time my wife would walk into the room, she'd be like, what in the <laughs> world are you listening to? Sounds like Disney. <laughs> and then she would walk back in what in the world are you listening to? Sounds like demons in hell. And she'd come back in and she's like, you listening to jazz now? So that's the description you had, Roy, is, is, is exactly right. The, the the things that must be going through his head when he's putting all this kind of stuff together, the way other artists talk about this album, Richard Henshaw mentions that this is by far the most ambitious thing that he's ever heard and and got inspiration to do his solo stuff from listening to to empath is mm. as, as well and just really all over the place but so well done and again the audiophile in me has to bring in the fact that uh nolly Getgood, who has done a lot of stuff in the past he's known from periphery he did an incredible job in combining all the extreme things that are on this and it is so clean so well written Jeff had mentioned an album earlier to put on the headphones and to listen to it. This is one of those albums because it's like you're watching,
0: like
4: you're in a, in a movie in a surround sound movie theater. It it is absolutely just flawless when it comes
1: to that. Very well done. I think I've said this before, but I, it was an album that I shared with a friend of mine who, who replied with, I think a fantastic description, which was, it sounds like the Muppets have been let loose with, (laughs) Uh, random selection of CDs from a charity shop and an amazing <laughs> drummer who can play blast beats. <laughs> <That's
2: pretty laughs> I mean, To me,
1: that, that's pretty much it. Again, an artist that I knew from, um, really, I, I knew he existed, had never really listened to him that much since even like this, was it Passion? No. Uh, the Vi band album, I can't remember what it was called, the album okay. that he sang on, Steve Vi. Sex and Religion. Yeah, yeah, Sex that's the religion. one. Um, and, um, again, you guys talked about it. I went, okay, I'll give it a shout. And yeah, wow. Just was, was, was blown away. I've really, really enjoyed it. And particularly that last track. I do have a funny story about, um, my, I think I was random shuffling my phone and I, I fell asleep one night because I quite often listen listen to music when I'm going to sleep. And I woke up terrified by that screamy death metal bit in, in, in the middle of Singularity, terrified out of my life and, and sweating, thinking my, my moment had come. So it... it, it
0: you know what? I feel like that's a story. If we told Devin, I feel like he he would be like, that's my proudest review. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, well, that that was... Well, I'm hoping to to see him in less than a couple of weeks um, with Uh. Hagen. So um, hopefully. So we shall see.
3: So yeah, one of my favorite parts about the album are definitely the videos that came out of it with the songs. They're all so... Oh, some of them Weird are amazing. They're just great yeah. videos. It's so yeah. fun. Uh, Devin is absolutely nuts, man. He he's a very, like you said, fearless guy.
0: And uh, and he's also coming uh, to the states. It was just announced with Haken and the Contortionists. They're going to be touring the U.S. So super excited about that. And if you get a chance, if you're in Europe listening, go check it out. Or if you're in the states, it's a great chance to see a show we don't get a lot of times here. Well, there you have it those are our selections for top 15 albums uh of the year of course there's a million more um can we can we chip in uh, some some others speed round uh let's do speed round uh some more albums that you've had
1: the edge of the light <laughs> i have to say jesus christ the exorcist by neil morse um really um i'm uh, it's not on our list but to me it was a standard album no man love you to bits one towards the end of the year in terms of reissues and compilations there's a brilliant peter gabriel rated pg compilation um, of his movie soundtrack songs yes from a page some archival studio tracks they've got very cool stuff yeah the Yes 50 live album um the steve hackett live with an orchestra and the king crimson audio diary 2014 to 2015 have to mention them in this year their 50th anniversary year a band who are still doing it at a high level.
0: Yeah. I'm going to second the, uh, the Steve Hackett uh, Genesis uh, live at the Royal festival hall. I think it's called uh, just one of my favorite albums of the year is tremendous. Uh, we've, we've talked about that many times. It's just awesome. Uh, a, a couple of weird ones that, that uh, I really enjoyed RPWL uh, release. an album called the new world, which I think is awesome. If you like the Marillion IQ type of vibe, that's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, Peripheries, Hail Stan, which is just awesome, super like metal uh, record.
3: Family by Jolly as well.
0: Family by Jolly is great. Uh, anybody else?
4: Queen's Rank The Verdict was awesome. Yeah, and then kind of along album. the same lines, a uh, Sweet Oblivion featuring Jeff Tate. That's a throwback album as well. And then Ray Alder uh, released his first solo album in in yeah, forever, and it's, and it's, and it's good good stuff it too. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I'd just add the Mute Gods, Lonely Robot. There's a few y'all. Y'all named most of them though
0: yeah i think those are great so yeah you got a lot of stuff to uh to catch up on hopefully you've been listening to oh, some the aristocrats the as well which one The
3: oh, aristocrats the aristocrats the aristocrats
0: yeah. yeah absolutely that's that's a great great album uh too so it's been a really great year we've really enjoyed bringing you these podcasts and reviews and reporting i want to thank all the team on this and prognic who's also written some stuff for us and um martin hutchinson who writes for us over from the uk a a few times does some reviews we had a really great year at the Prague report so i want to thank uh everybody on this podcast thank you guys for helping out and this was hopefully uh fun thank you roy
1: absolutely it's been a fun year what a year for prog and 2020 my word it has a lot a lot to live up to
0: yeah i'm already tired (laughs) 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 and uh yeah again thank you and uh we'll see everybody again in 2020